Tapping the Keg Daily is live for Tuesday. It is October 10th. We are talking about the Green Bay Packers' abysmal loss to the Las Vegas Raiders. We're going to talk about the growing pains and what to do with them. We're also going to chat Golden Keg's best and worst from the Packer Raider game. And then we will talk about the Wisconsin Badgers and how a pick six saved them. Check in on the Badgers. It's been a while. Oh, I do also want to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers and how tonight has made things so much worse. Another good luck, Chuck. We'll do Brewers, then Badgers. I know Badgers are a little belated, but that's because we couldn't do a podcast yesterday. So we had a little technical difficulty. Sorry about that. Uh, but if you saw us on Twitter last night, tapping the keg, we were all over it. I, it might have been a bad Packer game, but your boy had a great Twitter night. Uh, make sure that you're following along there. If Twitter is too much for you, I get it. Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram as well as TikTok, Facebook too. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed to that podcast. If you are joining us for the first time, uh, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, Overcast, Good Pods, where, wherever we are there. For not, drop me a DM. If you've already subscribed, drop us in the group chat. I, I, like I said, I've always said this, uh, but we cover it all. Uh, we're not doing Bucks preseason. We'll do it tomorrow, kind of a first two games uh, look at that. We'll talk about it with Mitch a little bit as well on Thursdays, Tapping the Keg, uh, which Tapping the Keg Thursdays, you know the deal on those. We're back at our normal, normal time slot, but all right. Let's talk about the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers are worse than I think anybody thought. I think that we started this season with a lot of optimism. And I say we, I mean the royal we, because I'm speaking as a fan and I'm speaking as the people that are listening to this podcast. I don't think a lot of us thought that the Green Bay Packers could potentially have a bad year could have a year where they win somewhere in the range of five to seven games. But that is looking more like a reality than a dream. The Packers are not necessarily having that Jalen Hurts year one where they sneak their way into the playoffs and it's a learning experience for this young team and it vaults them into potential Super Bowl stardom the next year. That is not the case right now. Now, It is October, it is early, it is not necessarily all fine and good. Like we, the the book hasn't been written. We should not cancel the season for the Green Bay Packers. That said, the growing pains are a little bit more significant. They're, They're a little more troublesome, worrisome than I think any of us thought. We thought that even with the young team, they could find a way because they had a ton of talent on defense. They had a lot of talent. You know, Jordan Love had been there for a while. He's not a rookie. And that they had a stout offensive line that would keep him safe. And a great running back. Well, part of that is not there, right? Aaron Jones has been out. He tweaks his hamstring at the very end of everything, causing the Packers to completely throw out their game plan. I I will talk about Malifor's game plan here in a second because it goes along with the growing pains. But I think we do have to keep in mind the fact that Aaron Jones goes out because he tweaks a hammy that completely threw the Packers off of what they wanted to do in this game. 
Then on the other part of it, David Bakhtiari is out for the year. Uh, we have not yet had a chance to talk about that. I want to do that probably tomorrow or the next day on Bakhtiari uh, and his injury. But it's, you know, it, it all of it is collapsing for the Packers a little bit in the sense that they are not the real version of themselves. They have not seen the real version of the Green Bay Packers. And because they're, you know, forcing Rasheed Walker to be the left tackle, because A.J. Dillon has to be RB1, the growing pains are a little more difficult. They put a little more pressure on Jordan Love because Joe Barry has two monkeys just banging cymbals in his head instead of an actual fucking brain. That that is that's that also hurts. That also adds pressure. That adds to the growing pains of the Green Bay Packers, and it it's just not great right now. It's inexperience. It's undisciplined football. It's ugly football. I mean, these have been three of the grossest Packer games that I can remember. I that actually might not be a bad segment for me to do sometime this week about when when has it been worse. I know those, there were some bad Hunley Seneca Wallace games in 2007 and 2018, but I told my wife, I was like, I might have some availability in November and December if it keeps trending this way. It's just so bad to watch. It's just not a good product. And, you know, Jordan Love has some of the blame, but I also am not ready to jump ship. There are some people that are already ready to jump ship. There's some doom and gloom out there that believe Jordan Love is not the guy. I would say that that is a gross overreaction. I I think that there's stuff to worry about. The fact that Jordan Love really wasn't passing the ball downfield. The fact that his deep ball is about as inaccurate as any quarterback that I've watched in the NFL. Uh, The fact that Jordan Love seemingly, you know, makes one or two bonehead mistakes a game at least in the last few, uh, that though all of those things worry me, right? But again, it's the it's his sixth start. Aaron Rodgers had a lot of struggles his first year. Aaron Rodgers was six and ten. Aaron Rodgers arguably had more pressure on him than Jordan Love, but Aaron Rodgers did have the same sort of growing pains. So you have to give Jordan Love a little bit of sauce. You have to give him a, a little bit of empathy and understand that this is going to be a long year. That there is going to be sort of that baseball-like roller coaster where you're going to have good moments and you're going to have bad moments. And right now we're in the bad and we're we're down on that roller coaster. We're going there with reckless abandon. Now, at some point, are we going to go back up? Are we going to see success again? Hopefully. I mean, Sometimes, you know, there there are situations where it all turns around. There are other situations where there is no bottom and you're one of the worst teams in football. I do not think that's what the Green Bay Packers are. I think they're too talented of a football team. But if Green Bay is two and five or two and four, you got to start having some real conversations about trading guys and, and sort of looking forward to the next draft and accumulating as many draft picks as possible and shedding as much salary as humanly possible as well. But yeah, Jordan Love, it's it's going to be a, it's going to take some time. And I think that we have to exhibit more patience as fans. I can be frustrated. I am frustrated. Like I'm not happy with Jordan Love, but I'm also knowing that, all right, this is game six. 
I think that there's going to be a weighted, there's going to be a little bit of pressure on him against Denver, but it helps that there's a bye week. It helps that Jordan Love has a chance to recalibrate, see what he's doing right, see what he's doing wrong, try to fix some of those things coming out of the bye week. I do think that because of how bad Denver's defense has been, if they go out and lay an egg, it's going to be an absolute calamity. It's going to be a complete clusterfuck of epic proportions because this Denver team allowed 28 points to Chicago Bears. I know that Denver still won the game. This Denver team gave up, Was it, I got to do the math because there was a defensive touchdown, gave up 22 offensive points to Zach Wilson-led team. Now you could argue, Charlie, the, the Chiefs gave up 22 to Zach Wilson-led It looked like you have to deliver against Denver. And that falls on the feet of Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur, man, I, I I haven't had as many questions about him as some of my other friends. Like I have guys in the group chat that like want him fired. And I think that's ridiculous. I, I, I do. I like He's had too much success to be like, all right, yeah, we're going to cup eight year one. But the overthinking that Matt LaFleur exhibits is becoming a significant issue. And that worries me. I've seen this before with other coaches. I saw this with Steve Wojciechowski at Marquette where Wojo would just outthink himself almost every fucking game. And it seems like Matt's trying to do that. And that part scares the living shit out of me. That scares me in the sense that is he going to be able to pull his head out of his ass and figure out like, okay, Trust my guys, trust what I have, and play my type of football. Now, there are some people who believe that LaFleur isn't allowed to scheme up what he wants because he doesn't have all the skill players that he needs for it to run his ideal offense. I say bullshit to that. I, I understand that Aaron Jones going out completely changes your game plan, and it led them to going very conservative, but the Raiders were out there number one and number three cornerbacks. And you did not attack the middle of the field at all. Where were screenplays? Where were posts? Where were seam routes? Where was a wheel route? Where were a corner dig? Where was a choice route? Where were any of those, right? Like none of those were even in the playbook tonight. And these, all these receivers have, have ran those plays. None, none of that happened. There were a couple of go routes to Christian Watson, but that was about it. They wanted to establish the run with A.J. Dillon, who, I, look, I understand getting A.J. Dillon some confidence, but this is not the 2000 Ravens you're facing. This is not one of the best defenses in football. This Raiders team fucking stinks, and yet you do not call a game that matches that. You did not attack. You kept the training wheels on your quarterback. You have to let this guy make mistakes. I wonder if he is preventing him from making mistakes. I don't, can't remember if I've used this before, but I'll, I'll use this analogy again. It doesn't matter. Sometimes in life, we run into people, mostly your parents, but sometimes it's teachers, sometimes it's coaches, where they basically are trying to prevent you from fucking up. They're trying to prevent you from falling flat on your face. In the end, you're grateful for it, right? Because they're protecting you and they're keeping you safe. And there's a part of you that feels that comfort, right? But there's another part of you that's like, I wish you just would let me fucking fail. 
I just wish that you would let me fall flat on my face and let me learn from it. And let me understand it and let me feel it. Matt LaFleur needs to let Jordan Love fall on his fucking face. Matt LaFleur really needs Jordan Love to just play football and not be thinking 24 or 7 and not trying to run the, not be a run first football team with A.J. Dillon and Patrick Taylor. That with Aaron Jones in there and Dillon, yeah, maybe we have a different story. Denver's run defense, by the way, is the worst in football. So maybe there is a, a case to be made for Packers pounding the football next week. I don't know. But it, it's definitely time to look in the mirror for Matt LaFleur. And Matt LaFleur needs to figure out what this team is. And I completely agree with those who are like, Packers lack identity. They absolutely do. They, we don't know the Green Bay Packers. And that goes back to my initial point. That they thought they had they had this team. And then def- no Bakhtiari, no Jones. This team cannot really respond to that type of adversity. They've responded well, you know, to having bad first halves and then bouncing back in the second. They've responded that way. They responded in that Saints game. But they can't respond to those large organizational changes. And they are just filling holes without really, really seeing what's there. And now you add to the fact that Darnell Savage and Quay Walker both left the game. Savage, I think, tore his Achilles. I don't want to speculate but that did not look good. Quay Walker had a knee injury. You just never know with knees, right? It could, hopefully it's nothing bad, but it's probably something bad if he couldn't come back in the game. And you lose those guys. And yeah, that, that makes your defense significantly worse. You're going to have to get a safety. I mean, that's that's number one. You're going to have to find another Rudy Ford off the streets. So where do we go from here? I, I think in general... We have to just take every game one at a time, not look at anything winnable. Just say, all right, can we beat this team? Yes, can we not? The Packers schedule is still favorable for them. I do want to do a segment kind of re-examining the schedule, uh, so, so which we might do. You know, obviously with the bye week, we have a little more space to explore content. Um, so that might be maybe something for Monday uh, because your boy got red zone uh, and I've never really been a big red zone guy uh, because I just, I thought it was a little bit, it's not real football in my opinion, right? When you're watching red zone, you're not watching real football. I've really enjoyed it for two weeks. I, I even like Chiefs Vikings. I was like, oh, I'll watch Chiefs Vikings. I'll put red zone on my on my computer. And I, I didn't. I kept red zone on. And uh, Ryan Rosillo, who probably has watched a lot more red zone than I did, pointed out how Red Zone's doing a really good job of showing all the key plays of the key games. And I I completely agree. Like, I'm watching this and I'm like, okay, yeah, I know what's going on in this game. I know what's going on in this game. Like, I do feel a little more informed about what's going on in the NFL than I did, you know, a couple weeks ago. Now, granted, like, I pay attention and I read a lot. But I, I think actually getting to see it was is, is nice. And, yeah, I have a bigger segment on like reexamining the schedule, so we'll do, we'll do that next week. Um, we'll save that for for next Monday. But yeah, I, I think with going to where we go, it's just like take date game by game. Like you can't can't expect to win any games going forward. You also can't you can expect them. I I, I shouldn't say that, but basically like it, you're never there's no like layup wins anymore. The layups are gone. Every every game is gonna be tough. 
and we'll see how the Packers come out of it. They're going to have another dumb loss, right? They're going to have probably two more dumb losses. And we'll look back and say, well, if you just had, you just held your water against Atlanta or Jordan Love was a little bit better against the, the Raiders were in the playoffs. I, I mean, I think that'll, that probably is going to happen. But we got to just ride out these growing pains. They're not fun. They're uncomfortable. They're just frustrating as, as a sports fan. But that's kind of what we should have expected more of. And maybe the Bears game was the worst thing that happened to us as fans. That if the Bears thing happened halfway through the year or even November, December, it would have a completely different tone. But because that Bears game happened week one, we sort of set ourselves up for failure. And I just wonder if that was a detriment to the fan base. But yes, it's a bye week. We move on to Denver in two weeks. And hopefully a better version of the Packers shows up. Moving on to Golden Kegs, for those who are unfamiliar with Golden Kegs, we talk about the best and worst Packers from the game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Five kegs being the best, four kegs being, or one keg being the worst. I'll tell you, we have a lot of one kegs. We do not have that many five kegs that are out there, but we will do our best. Five kegs, Preston Smith. Uh, Preston Smith was great in this game. This was the first good Preston Smith game we've seen all season. Uh, Really good stuff from P all game long. He was in Jimmy Garoppolo's kitchen. Made some really nice plays on the quarterback. Uh, had much success on the outside. Other five keg to Kenny Clark uh, did work on the inside uh, and really, I think, helped out. You know, with not having Walker, not having Campbell, you know, provided those lanes for the other linebackers of fell. McDuffie and Wilson both had big games from a tackle perspective. So a credit to that goes to Kenny Clark. I, I just really liked. What I've seen out of Kenny this season, I think he's had a really good season thus far. Uh, And yeah, Preston Smith too. It's good to see a a, a solid one from him after a rough start where he was kind of a ghost for the first four weeks of the season and now he's shown up. So maybe that's a little bit of, you know, September being preseason ball. Now you have the real version of Preston Smith and hopefully it'll wreak havoc when they get back to playing Denver. Other 5K to Max Crosby. Dude, Max Crosby, I think just, here's the thing about Max Crosby. I appreciate that he got himself sober. I appreciate that he, you know, is leading that fight and he's very open and talking about it. And it's great. I think, especially for people who are battling addiction or families who are battling addiction. That said, the guy's a fucking douchebag. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I feel bad. Like, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't like it. I just don't get his approach. He's like George Kittle, but a defensive end. I like George Kittle. I don't like Max Crosby. It's like George Kittle's like, I don't want to call him dumb. That's That would be mean. But he's like his younger brother that nobody likes. Like that try hard younger brother, you know, where he's always trying to one up. He's trying to get in on the jokes. That's that's Max Crosby to me. Uh, I don't know, just don't like him. Uh, but he played a fucking great game, uh, so I have to I have to give him his props. Like this was he game wrecked today, and second straight week where the Green Bay Packers have trouble against very talented edge rushers in Crosby and Agent Hutchinson. So. That's an issue uh, for Green Bay, and they're going to have to figure that out. Uh, Green Bay doesn't face 
a really difficult ad chair in a couple weeks. So they do have a bit of a reprieve from the talented edge rushers. But yeah, uh, Max Crosby was great in this game. Four guys goes to A.J. Dillon. How about it for A.J. Dillon? Two, 20 carries, 76 yards. It's not a great average. It's only 3.3. But this was the best game from A.J. Dillon this season. If you want a positive from this game, if you want one thing to feel good about, it's that A.J. Dillon looked the part tonight. And that's something we have not said for really the entire season so far. And he was really solid. I felt like Matt LaFleur, for as bad as he was, he really did scheme up some things that worked well for A.J. Dillon. And it was refreshing to see this version of A.J. Dillon. Now, again, this goes back to the Preston Smith thing. Was this because he wasn't exactly in shape? He gets himself in football shape. All of a sudden, A.J. Dillon's looking spry, looking like the guy that you know we saw flashes of in 2021 and, and in 2020. And if is that A.J. Dillon finally reappearing? We'll have to see. But it, it's definitely a step in the right direction. And hopefully the Packers have sort of figured out some things with Dillon and this new look offensive line. Three kegs goes to Rudy Ford. Rudy Ford had a nice interception. It was a, a game-changing moment uh, for Green Bay at the time. Uh, but he also he also had some moments where he just sort of seemed lost. Like Rudy Ford is a perpetual three-star guy. I forget who I, I gave that to, or three keg guy, excuse me, uh, who I gave that to last year. Uh, but there was a guy, it might have been Savage. Was it Savage? Someone would have to remind me, but there was a guy I was just always giving three kegs to. I'm like, yeah, he's the three keg guy. Like that might be Rudy Ford for the entire year. Like he does some nice things. He also does some not so nice things. Uh, I don't know if he's a starter in the NFL really, but he he made a great play on the ball and gets another interception. That's the second second straight uh, for Ford. Another three keg goes to Rasul Douglas. Uh, Rasul was good in this game. I felt like he did a great job on Devontae Adams. Uh, Rasul was on him, I think, more than Jair and really held him down. Uh, it's, I also liked just sort of the piss that he was showing out there. Like his piss was hot and he was trying to, you know, work with the guys and really showcased some leadership out there. Like I, what I saw out of Rasul Douglas today, leadership wise, was more than I've seen out of Jair Alexander in three years. So Credit to him. Uh, I, I really liked what I saw from Douglas. Uh, not only you know playing, he had some nice plays as well, but also the sort of leadership role that he described. Other three kegs goes to bad superstitions. So I don't really know how. Well, it happened in a Lions game because I went over to my neighbors and I was at. I was standing the entire time. Packers mounted a comeback. So then today, uh, it's it's halftime. I want to clean up the kitchen, uh, buy a five keg meal, uh, jalapeno turkey burger. It was great. A little spicy mayo on that perfect uh, thing. I can drop the recipe. If you want the recipe, hit me up. I'll, I will send that to you. It's, it's very good. Little, little, a little, uh, a little pro tip for you on the cooking of turkey burgers. Gotta add breadcrumbs. Half, half cup of breadcrumbs, man. You can make turkey burgers that taste like like real burgers, and it's it's fine. So uh, that's that's a little pro tip from your boy. Uh, but yeah, it was a five cake meal. So, anyways, I was cleaning up in the kitchen, 
And I stood that the Packers were doing good things. Like Rudy Ford makes the interception, Packers score a touchdown. So I was standing for a good amount of this football game because that's what the Packers needed out of me. But now it's like, do I have to stand for every game? And this also, I saw a lot of touchdowns when I was standing when they, you know, beat Detroit. Or I uh, not beat Detroit. They came back in the second half. So it's like, do I need to just stand for all of eternity here? Uh, I'm not like opposed to it but also it's like if i go to parties and i'm like hey i, I just gotta stand that's what i do here uh, i'm not sure like it's uh it's not a great superstition i'm not gonna lie to you that's why it's the 3k we because it kind of worked but it kind of didn't uh we still lost the game so does that rule out your superstition not sure uh 2k is christian watson look christian watson had a great play um 77 yards it was a busted coverage but he had a lot of tough moments. You know, the the interception in the end zone was more Jordan Love's fault. I thought Ben Solak did a great job breaking this down already, which is crazy. I'm taping this like at the wee hours of night. But Ben Solak already broke down and was talking about how Love dipped his eyes. And because Love dipped his eyes instead of stepping into throwing that football, he that's why it was late. Like he needed to throw that football and get rocked. And hopefully Watson comes down with it. Now, Christian Watson also throttled poorly, did not make a great play on the football, and let a 5'9 cornerback just take take over and beat him. That's That can't happen from Christian Watson. And Christian Watson will learn from it. I think the growing pains for Christian Watson are a little more pronounced. Uh, we're seeing you know, the fact that he did not play a ton last year. And because you had Aaron Rodgers, things were being able to scheme up. Aaron Rodgers also throws one of the best deep balls in football. Jordan Love does not. Uh, that's a significant issue uh, for Christian Watson. But I, I think it goes back to my point of why I wanted a veteran wide receiver all summer because I felt like there there isn't there's enough you know leadership tutelage guys you know that can just make the reliable five to ten yard catch. Uh, Packers really don't have it, and I know that was a deep bomb to Watson, but it's. It's definitely a concern. They also need to get Watson involved in not just deep balls. Like, he's not Marquez Valdez-Scantlin, okay? We saw that last year. Like, he can run slants. He can run screens. He can run in routes. Like, let Christian Watson do a little bit more and let him try to expose people with his speed in the middle of the field. You look at, like, the crossing routes that San Francisco's running with Debo and Brandon Ayuk. Like, that's what we should see out of Christian Watson. Speaking of the play, uh, there was a horse collar by Marcus Peters at the end of it that basically saved the game. Uh, that was the difference in the outcome because Green Bay gets brought down. They kick a field goal because they can't do shit offensively at the goal line. Those were the last points that Green Bay would have all game long. And had Green Bay got a touchdown there, it would have been a tie game and who knows what would have happened. If it would have went to overtime, if the Raiders would have had a last second kick, but it, it did not because the Green Bay Packers could not punch it in. Now, if, if Peters does not do a horse collar there and tries to tackle Watson, he might miss. He might, you know, bring him down in the end zone. And the Packers have the touchdown that they desperately needed. Now, Mike Florio went as far to say that, that this should result in a touchdown, that the league should take a look at this. You know, everybody's favorite tattletale, but I I do have to give Florio credit for giving some love to the Packers. I mean, like, the Packers got screwed here, which is big of a Vikings fan to say. That said, I don't really like the 
clear path for a touchdown. That, that to me, is not football, right? The offense gets enough advantage as is, right? It, it To me, what it should be is it should just be at the one-yard line, just like a two-point conversion. So if the horse collar is, is a clear path horse collar, you call it that, just kind of NBA-esque, and say, all right, now we're going to put the ball at the one, and you can do whatever you need to do. I think the Packers probably score from the one. I'd like to think so. But it that, to me, is the is the way to handle it. it instead of half half to the goal line, it just needs to be at the one-yard line if it's you know a clear path horse collar. But that's also giving the officials one more thing to look at, which, I don't know, does anyone really trust the officials? That they know what the hell they're doing when it comes to when it comes to plays, but yeah, I I think it's not it should not be a touchdown. I appreciate the idea from Florio, but it should definitely be a a like at the one yard line sort of thing. So we'll see if anything comes of that. One keg, we have a lot of one kegs. This is a ugly one keg. Tucker Craft gets number one. Uh, he, he isn't exactly like first up, but first that came to mind, he had some bad blocks. Uh, there was a play where they were trying to get a deep ball going and Tucker Craft needed to guard Max Crosby. He had help and he couldn't do it. Uh, he also had a holding call on a completed pass for the Green Bay Packers. And yeah, it was just bad night for Tucker Craft. I, I don't know if Tucker Craft should be, you know, getting snaps at the moment. Like I just give it to Ben Sims. He had a nice... Nice catch uh, for his first NFL catch of the year. Uh, in that same vein, Rasheed Walker. Uh, another rough night for Rasheed Walker. I, I, again, these are growing pains, right? This is part of that growing pain experience is you have a guy in Walker who's in his second game for the, for the as a pro, and he's really struggling. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been rough for Rasheed Walker. He's going to have to get better if the Packers will be successful or the Packers have to look at another offensive line combination, whether that's, you know, moving Zach Tom to left, left tackle and maybe Josh Nyman to right, or if that is, you know, moving Rasheed Walker right tackle and Zach Tom to left or some other combination that you may think of. But yeah, I it's not a good outing for Rasheed Walker. Uh, one keg to Jordan Love. We talked about it, but yeah, this is Jordan Love's worst game of his career. It's really going to just come down to how do you bounce back, right? You've had a rough three-week stretch, review the tape, get better, and just come out swinging. Malifur's first half, again, discussed earlier. I, I think just... The, the whole Aaron Jones injury threw him off and he got really conservative. Who knows why? Jair's comments. Uh, Jair Alexander, uh, not exactly a great quote after the game. Let me pull it up for you from Matt Schneidman of The Athletic. I think at this point, it's pretty obvious that the defense has to not give up any touchdowns. I think that that's the part of the self-critical of our defense, or Here's what Jair Alexander had to say. I think at this point, it's pretty obvious that the defense has to not give up any touchdowns. I think that's the part of being self-critical of our defense because the offense is pretty young and they're still figuring out their mojo. Hot fucking yikes, Jair. That to me is just unnecessary. Jair was calling Jordan Love QB1 and all this other shit. You know, in training camp, and now he's like, "Well, 
we basically have to prevent them from not scoring touchdowns because our guys can't get us touchdowns. That's not good. Uh, that doesn't exactly give anybody confidence. I understand Jair's mad after a game. I understand he wants to beat Devontae Adams, but he needs to just not use those type of words. Um, I saw someone say, well, this could splinter the locker room. No, fuck. It, it's, it's too early for that. You need like three or four more of these before we're like, all right, yeah, this is a real problem. But yeah, Jair just, you can't say that thing. That's just all that's going to do is light a fuse under Facebook Packer fans who are like, cut Jair, do this, do that. Uh, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a rough stretch for Mr. Alexander here. I wonder if he walks that back because it's just, it's an unnecessary comment, especially when the defense has been as average as, as anyone else. Like, I, I don't know where the fuck that's coming from from Alexander, probably because you gave up 17 points and you usually expect to win those games. All right, last, I think there's, yeah, last one keg goes a missed pick six by Nick Nixon. Keshawn Nixon's not a good slot corner. I look forward to Eric Stokes being back at that slot corner position uh, or Rasul Douglas and he put Stokes on the boundary. But Nixon had a pick six, man, and just did not read the route well. And that led to or Las Vegas scoring. Man, it, it's just the, the things that were potentially there. And yeah, Packers let one slip away. And that was not a good one for Green Bay. All right, to review, Golden Kegs, five kegs. Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, Max Crosby, four kegs, AJ Dillon. Three kegs, Rudy Ford, Rasul Douglas, and me and my superstitions. Two kegs, Christian Watson and the horse collar play. Uh, one keg, Tucker Kraft, Rasheed Walker, Jordan Love, Matt first for half, Jair's comments, and the picks, missed pick six by Kishon Nixon. All right, let's move on and talk quickly about the baseball as well as the Badgers. The Milwaukee Brewers have to be kicking themselves. There has to be some text going around, whether it's the freshman, whether it's Freelick to Terang or Christian Yelich to Craig Council, that fuck, this Dodgers team was beatable. This Dodgers team had everything that the Brewers could have wanted. Their starters can't, they've not even had six, six outs. They've not made six outs. That's crazy so far. They have to rely on Lance Lynn. It's Lance Lynn for game three on Wednesday after, Wednesday evening. The Brewers would have been in the catbird seat and instead they're at home. That is just infuriating, man. Like, there is something about that that's driving me crazy. Everyone's like, well, the D-backs were good. It's like, look, I think the D-backs are all right, but I do not think that they're going to win more than a game against either the Phillies or Braves. I did, no way. I think that right now what they're doing is taking advantage against the team who basically was able to manage themselves to 100 wins, got a nice cushion, they lost pretty much everybody and they are just on sticks and needles. And it's just so maddening that that could be the Milwaukee Brewers. And I feel like we have to do this every year. And part of it is because the Brewers are good luck Chuck. Every team has went to the, went to the World Series after playing the Brewers during this playoff run that the Brewers have had the last six years. It's, it's absurd. It's an absurd thing that the Brewers are the get-right team for all of these teams, all of these organizations. 
But yeah, I look at the the games, the two games, like they jumped all over Kershaw in the first inning. They are they hit the same. They being the Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks and Brewers hit about the same against lefties. Uh, the Bobby Miller, you know, they would have saw Bobby Miller again. They did not play Bobby Miller well in that first game, but that second game around, maybe it would have been better. Now you could also argue with yourself and be like Charlie. The Brewers did not have the pitching to keep up because Brandon Woodruff's injury, the way that they had constructed their roster, and this it, it would not have went this same way. Maybe, maybe it would have, but you always are going to think of the jealousy behind the next team, behind the team that could have been you, but instead it, it, it isn't. And the Diamondbacks have pitched really well. I mean, that's the other part of this, it, and that makes the Burns thing sting even more. Now, granted, uh, the Merrill Kelly was at a nine-run lead to start game number two, so Merrill Kelly, you know, probably excluded. But Zach Allen today, you know, he didn't, he wasn't terrific, but he was good enough to get the job done. Like he scattered a few hits, he had a few strikeouts, and did ace shit again. Even though Zach Allen has bad road splits, it's well documented. He has bad splits inside Dodger Stadium. None of it fucking mattered because he's the ace and he shoved just like Zach Wheeler did earlier in the game. And I do want to touch on Braves Phillies in a second here. Uh, like, I I just, it, it paints such a bad picture for Corbin Burns and he just continues to take L's, man. And when you see the, the actual aces of these teams take command and do the damn thing, it's, it's beauty to see. But yeah, it, I do not look at it like, oh, the Diamondbacks were this wagon. They were a good team, right? They, they played well, but they struggled down the stretch. And it, for them to be here and to be one win away from the NLCS is wild to me. I, I would not have expected that. And they are on the cusp. So we'll see if it's Lance Lane can come through and take over and beat the Diamondbacks for their first playoff loss of the season. I did want to mention before we talked about the Badgers, the Braves Philly series off the wall. It's a must watch every game. Like you do have no idea what's going to happen. You're going back to Citizens Bank ballpark. I think it's going to be pretty cold. The weather around the United States is going to be nasty uh, this upcoming weekend. So look out for that. But Braves Phillies is, is awesome. You get Brian Anderson on the call. He had a couple unbelievable calls tonight. He had the, Austin Riley home run for the Phillies to, or the Braves to take the lead. And then the Michael Harris catch that doubled off Bryce Harper to end the game. Brian Anderson is the best at his job. I'm, we're so grateful to have him in the city of Milwaukee. But yeah, it, it, you have to watch every Braves Phillies game because you just don't know what's going to expect. And it, it just continues, continues to be easily the series of the division series. Like that's the one that I think all of us are going to probably care about the most. Yeah, actually, they're going to be okay. So it's, it's they play, what, Wednesday, Thursday, 70 and 72. Yeah, they're fine. Saturday, Saturday and Sunday's work. It's wet for them. But so they'll, they'll be okay. There's your little tap in the keg weather. Tapping the weather dial, uh, that is. But yeah, I, I'm very excited for this series. I will be watching all of those. Uh, as for the AL, just while we're here, Twins... Twins Astros. I've said I don't know if I've said it on a podcast. May I think I did. Maybe I did. But I like the Twins a lot better if their fans were Vikings fans too. 
Like I, I will put it through this way. My guy Sites, uh, I don't, know, I think he's mentioned on the pod, but uh, he is a Twins Packers fan. So I, I'm rooting for those guys. So if you're a Twins and Packer fan, let me know, and I will root for the Twins then. So I will root on your behalf, but I can't root for most of that fan base because they're Twins Vikings. We can't do that. We can't support that. We're just not going to do that. It's it's the Philadelphia thing too. Phillies look cool, right? But you remind yourself that, oh, most Philly fans are also 76ers fans and you don't want that. So that's, the, it's just, it's the world we live in. You know, you can't, can't get everything you want, but I, the twins are exciting. And twins are a team that I think the Brewers might need to take gander at. How do they build that team? They added guys who can just hit the fucking shit out of the ball and they have good pitching. And we'll see see how it goes in the cold of Minneapolis tomorrow. Uh, that should be a sight to see uh, at three o'clock. And then you have the Rangers and Orioles as the Rangers try to finish off Baltimore. It'd be a real bummer uh, if the Orioles got swept uh, the moment too big for him. Dean Kramer, who's uh, from Israel. I, I don't know if he's from Israel or he's Jewish. Uh, obviously, with all that's going on in Israel, uh, he's pitching game three. So that's a potential cool moment doing it for Israel, doing it for his country. Uh, that, that would be great. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to see. Um, you know, I, I, I feel bad for the Orioles fans who had this unbelievable year and then they've, they've ran out of gas. I think... Facing a team like the Rangers, where it's a bunch of older guys, right? It's your Corey Seegers, it's your Marcus Simeons, and then the mix of, like, they have the perfect blend of old and young. And it shows you when you're able to have a great farm system and you're able to pay guys money like you did with Seeger and Simeon, you basically have this just mash unit. And they have Wyatt Langford coming up, who's really good. Uh, I, I wouldn't rule them out as a Burns team, either of those teams. Uh, I both think could be Burns teams. Orioles have a ton of hitting. They have no pitching. Corbin Burns seems like a perfect option for that team. The Rangers too, even though they have DeGrom and Scherzer, DeGrom's probably not back for half the year next year. They have a ton of young talent. I I could see a Burns to Texas deal on the table as well. So things to keep your eye on as you're you're watching. Say, oh, do they need need a starting pitcher? Do they need one that's a former Cy Young winner? We... We got a guy. We got a guy. Don't don't you worry. So yeah, that's my uh, MLB playoff takes so far, uh, including the missed opportunity with the Brewers and the Diamondbacks. All right, let's wrap up today's show with the Wisconsin Badgers. I want to talk about the Badgers quick. I feel bad. We uh, we're dropping the ball with the Badgers, and I, I put that on myself. Uh, I love college football. Um, I love watching it. I love enjoying it. Uh, I didn't get a review out, was busy, 11 a.m. games suck. Uh, and, and now it's at the point where I don't know if I can even give reviews, right? Like, I haven't done it for fucking weeks. Like, I, I think the last one I did might have been Washington State or not. I did a Georgia Southern one. So so I, I've, I've missed Purdue and I missed Rutgers. I missed first two Big Ten games. Uh, not not great, not great for your boy. Let me know what you think in the comments. Uh, not in the comments. Uh, let me know on Instagram or TikTok or or Twitter if you feel like I should be able to do reviews for the Badgers. Anyways, things that I noticed from this game, some observations. 
uh, from the Badgers win over Rutgers. First of all, the pick six saved their ass. Uh, pick six is such a massive play by Ricardo Hallman, uh, who took that to the house for 95 yards. Uh, it was it changed the game. I mean, worst case scenario, Rutgers is heading down 10-7. And you're like, all right, yeah, that's not terrible, but it's not ideal. And maybe they get they hold a field goal and it's 10-3. But the fact that Holloman takes it back and basically and wins the game for the Wisconsin Badgers because they got to a lead that was too much for Rutgers. And that's the part of Rutgers. Rutgers can't come back. They are a run-first team. They want to be ball control. And Holloman's interception made it a three-score game. It was a very Paul Chris-like game where it was, what, 37 total points, a lot of smash mouth, a lot of hitting, uh, and, but there wasn't exactly, you know, a points of Palooza. I feel like, you know, that to me is something that Paul Chris will watch. He'll have a nice glass of warm milk. He'll tuck himself in and, and just enjoy the desolate sounds of a 24-13 football game. Uh Badgers have to, you know, be careful with the ball and finish with the ball. Like, I, Braylon Allen's fumble on the goal line was trying to get an extra yard. I, I get that. I commend that. But he loses the football. Hayden Ritchie trying to get a first eight, first down, loses the football. Like, they have to be a little more secure with the ball if they want to be successful. Uh, and that's that to me is a, a little bit of a concern for this team is they, they seem to have a bit of the fumble problem. I think it's fumbleitis. Like, they, they just can't seem to hold on to the football. And that that's an issue. You, you can do that against Rutgers. You can't really do that against Ohio State. So, got to clean that up, see what's going on. Maybe it's, you know, just so, something something in the water, right? I, I think fumbles, fumbles are tough to predict. I also enjoyed the immediate response Two Rutgers after they had scored, it was 17-6. They immediately head down the field for a 15-play drive, score a touchdown, it's 24-6, and that pretty much wrapped it up. Schedule got easier for the Badgers. I, I think that's a huge part of the discussion with Wisconsin right now is they play Iowa at home this weekend. Uh, Deacon Hill, a guy who was a Badger, he transferred to Iowa. He is a complete unit. The guy's like 260, just an absolute man-child out there. And he will play the Badgers in a revenge spot for him. Now, the Badgers are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. They are taking in this, the account that Iowa could do not a goddamn thing offensively last week. And it's, it's, a little, it's still a little high for me. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, we'll talk probably more in the betting show this week. But I, I think that Wisconsin has you know so they get that then they get illinois who's terrible and we thought we all thought oh illinois is gonna be good illinois is gonna be good they're gonna not miss all their guys nope they missed all their guys uh in ohio state obviously but i i think ohio state has become a little more winnable i understand that they were able to cover against rock uh maryland excuse me but that game was in the balance for a long time and i i think the badgers are a little bit better than maryland so then they have Indiana. Indiana's trying to find any sort of offense. They just hired Justin Fuente off a of off their buy. So we'll see, you know, what is the outcome of that. And then they have Nebraska, right? They have Nebraska and Minnesota. I, I think that Nebraska one is or Northwestern too. Uh, I, 
that Nebraska one is the one to be careful with. Like that to me is the one that I circle as a potential, not even a letdown, but a potential trouble spot because I think that Nebraska team is going to get better as the year goes on. I, you already saw it a little bit against Illinois. Again, we, we said what we said about Illinois being terrible, but I, I just wonder, is Nebraska going to have their shit together, even though it's on the road, and give the Badger a game? They have given Wisconsin a game in the past. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if you know we we see the full version of what Matt Rule is trying to build at Nebraska. But first up is Iowa. Uh, it's always a, a good rivalry game, a first to 10 point kind of game. We'll, we'll see. Sure, we'll talk about it on the betting preview over the weekend. Uh, take care, guys. Have a good one. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll see you then. Bye. That was like a buy and a piece. Peace.